Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at uh, Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Before we do get started, I want to remind you that we do have two other podcasts, the Old Time Radio Superman uh, show. You can follow at laserandsword.com and uh, The War, our Old Time Radio uh, War podcast. We're about halfway through with that, and you can go to uh, thewar.greatdetectives.net. That's thewar.greatdetectives.net to follow that uh, podcast as we look at uh, World War II through Old Time Radio. Well, now it's time for us to wrap up this week's Johnny Dollar serial. And coming up later on will be an episode of Manhunt. But here now is the Picture Postcard Matter, Part 5. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. This is Arthur, the innkeeper, Herr Dollar. Oh, good. I was away from the desk for a few minutes and just received the message that you called. Look, Otto, I'm at the little hotel down in the village. You're not planning to move out of the Kleibach Inn, I hope. No, no, listen, I want you to do me a favor. Of course. Have you seen Jeffrey Harris? Then keep a sharp eye out for him. Oh. Yeah, and the minute he gets back to the inn, call me. But don't let him know you're calling me. Whatever you say, Herr Dollar. But is something wrong? Plenty. This man named Gruner I've been looking for. You have found him? I've found him, all right. Dead. What? And it looks like his killer is here at this hotel. Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. (laughs) Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Clybox, Switzerland. To the Home Office Global Casualty, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the picture postcard matter. Expense account continued. The murder of Gruner meant that I had lost the one solid lead I had on the whole case. Unless, of course, I could round up whoever put him away. Item 10, $1 to the desk clerk for watching the rear entrance of the hotel in case the killer should try to get out that way. Well, what are you going to do, Johnny? Go upstairs and take a look. I'm coming with you. No, no, stay here. I won't. I'm coming with you. All right, I don't have time to argue. Now, tell me again just what happened, Elsa. Uh, you realized we were being followed along the street. You decided to wait in that alley, and I was to cut through to this street and go back to the inn. Yeah, yeah. Go on. Well, when I got to the street, I heard a man cry out. Then I saw Gruner fall from an upstairs window. He was dead. He fell from a corner room? Yes. Well, that'll be this door over here. Okay. Get back against the wall, Elsa. All right. Be careful, Johnny. Yeah, yeah. Empty. Maybe one of the other rooms, Johnny. Yeah. 
Hey, hey. Somebody just locked up. That was down the hall. Yeah, come on. That room at the end. Get back, Elsa. Gone. The window. Yeah. Oh, great. A fire escape. Uh-oh. You see someone Just running? a flash as he disappeared around the corner. Could you recognize there him? There wasn't much light, but it looked like the big boy who jumped me back in Zurich. Then it was he who killed Gruner. Could be. And Gruner was my last lead to those stolen diamonds. You think that man who got away now has them? I don't know. If he does and tries to leave town, Inspector Honiger's man will pick him up at the railroad station. Well, let's go back to the inn. We did... But only because it meant being someplace where I could quietly sit down and think. Try to put together and make sense out of what meager information I had. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I was starving. More coffee, Johnny? Hmm? No, no thanks, no. What's the matter, Johnny? Oh, what's the matter is I'm beat. The stolen diamonds. The stolen diamonds. Unless I can figure out the meaning of those picture postcards Gruner sent to Sebastian, I'm licked. And so far, I've drawn nothing but big blanks on them. Postcards? You didn't say anything to me about postcards. I know, Elsa. Well, look, you may as well know it. Right now, you're about my last hope. You claim you weren't involved in any of this, that you want to help me. Oh, yes, Johnny, and I mean it. Okay, here's your chance to prove it. How? Take a look at these postcards. They're all addressed to your dead pal, Sebastian. Sent to him by Gruner. That's right. A picture of the Clyback in here... And a picture of the ski hut on the ridge. Do they mean anything to you? Well, they're staying here at the inn, and I have seen the ski hut on the ridge. Beyond that, nothing. You're sure? Yes. What is it all about, Johnny? The postcards, I mean. Sebastian and Gruner were together in the diamond robbery back in Zurich. Then they split up. Gruner hid the diamonds and sent these postcards to Sebastian. They're supposed to be the key to the location of the diamonds. And now both Sebastian and Gruner are dead. Which means that if I can't figure out this key, I'll probably never recover those stones. You told me this morning you thought there were others after the diamonds. Yeah, and they probably knocked off Sebastian and Gruner trying to get them. These postcards, the inn and the ski hut. Have you searched this inn? As well as I could. And the ski hut? When I got there, the place had been ransacked. Somebody beat me to it. I saw Jeffrey Harris in the vicinity on my way up to the hut. The Englishman? Yeah. He could be my boy. Maybe whoever knocked off Gruner in the village was working for him. Maybe Mr. Harris already has the diamonds then. I hope to find out if and when he comes back here to the inn. I somehow doubt that he's found them, though. They went after Gruner after the ski hut was ransacked. And that would indicate they are still looking for them. Yes. The inn and the ski hut. Wait, Johnny. Perhaps the diamonds are somewhere on a line between the two places. I thought of that, but it doesn't work. You can't see the ski hut from here at the inn. A ridge cuts it off. And we're on a line between the two. They're about five miles apart. I wonder if... Hold it, Elsa. What is it? Jeffrey Harris, just coming in. See you later, Elsa. Well, 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 it's the dollar chap. Yeah, that's right, Harris. The dollar chap. Enjoying your stay at Clyback, old man? Well, let's say it's been interesting. Delightful place, really. I'm a bit of a mountain climber, you know. Yeah. I know. Oh, you do? I didn't think my reputation had spread that much. Oh, I'm really just an amateur, but it's great fun. You did some climbing today, I believe. Yes, matter of fact, I did. Splendid place of rock up there. It gave me quite a workout. And you were down in the village this evening? Oh, yes. I say, old chap, you you seem to be rather an inquisitive sort. Why all the questions, huh? Well, this morning I got shot at up on the ridge. 
What's that? This evening, a man was murdered in the village. Both times, you were in the vicinity. Oh, now, look here, Dollar. Let's not be absurd, right? I, I, I'm sorry that someone was potting away at you this morning, but I assure you I had nothing to do with it, and I didn't even know about the murder in the village. Plus the fact you've been pretty interested in me ever since I arrived here at the inn. Yes, but I've explained all that. I thought at first that you might be my old friend, Bunny Dollar, from London. Look, let's quit talking about old Bunny Dollar and start talking about that rifle of yours with a telescopic sight. <laughs> we don't be ridiculous, old boy. I don't have any rifle. Well, I just happened to have found one in your closet today. I say, you are a snooper, aren't you? But you must have gotten to the wrong closet. I tell you, I don't own a rifle. It was there, all right, and it was your closet. Well, then somebody left it there by mistake. Now, look here, Dollar. I haven't the slightest idea what you're driving at, but I assure you, I am in no way involved. And I must say, I don't care for your attitude or behavior. You'd think I had you confused with old Bunny. Well, you're not in the least like him. No, prowling in my closet. I guess I drew a blank there. Uh, Elsa... Where did she... Hey, Dollar. Oh, Otto. Where did Elsa go? Why, I do not know. She was sitting there a few minutes ago. Perhaps she went up to her room. Yeah. Hey, Dollar, this man you were looking for, Gruner... I'm not looking for him anymore, Otto. Like I told you over the phone, he got himself killed in the village this evening. I know. And that is what made me think you might be interested in this. Oh, hey, another postcard. Where'd you get it? It arrived today. It was addressed to the man called Sebastian in care of my inn. That means Gruner didn't know Sebastian was dead. Hey, hey, this could be the missing part of the key. Key? A picture of the village square. Does that mean something to you, Herr Dollar? I'm sure it means something, all right. But I'm not sure what. I went to my room and put the three postcards side by side. The inn... Ski hut on the ridge in the village square. The trouble was, I couldn't be sure this was all there was to the key. Maybe Gruner had planned to send more cards, but he wouldn't be sending any now. Yeah. Yeah, from any point of view, I was getting nowhere. Then I stopped cold. Point of view. I looked at the cards again. You couldn't see the ski hut from the inn, and you couldn't see the inn from the village. But maybe, just maybe, there was some point from which you could see all three. I went downstairs and outside. It was a moonlight night. I started walking slowly toward the village, keeping the inn in sight behind me. Finally, I came to a point in the road where I could see both the inn and the village square in the distance. But I still couldn't see the ski hut. There was a ridge in the way. I started cutting across a field. It looked like a little deserted farm. A shed loomed up in front of me, a small, broken-down barn. And then... Just as I got to the barn, the ski hut on the ridge came into view. I stopped and checked. Yeah. Yeah, I could see the inn, the village square, and the ski hut. And this was the one point from which the scenes on all three postcards were visible. This had to be it. I went inside. The barn was empty except for some straw in one corner. I ran my hands through it. And I pulled out a leather case. The moonlight streaming through the broken roof told me I finally found the uncut diamonds somebody outside. I froze against the wall in the shadow. He came in. I let him get close. Then I dove at him. I gave him a couple so the midsection was crumpled. I dragged him to his feet. No, let's go off. Well, my old friend who jumped me back in Zurich. Who are you? Come on. No, no, don't. No, I... I am Anton. Your outfit was trying to get the diamonds away from Sebastian's boys, huh? Yes. When you jumped me in Zurich, you thought I had them. Then you followed me here to Kleibach. And you killed Gruner trying to make him talk. 
Okay, who are you working for? Spell it. No, nobody. I am working alone. Don't give me that. You haven't the brains to mastermind a deal like this. Now, who's the boss? I can't tell you. Open up, Anton. Oh. Start talking. That is enough, Herr Dollar. What? Otto. Stand very still. Well, so the little innkeeper is Anton's boss. You stupid fool, Anton. Well, what could I do, Otto? I, I didn't know he had had me approaching. One blunder after another. But I... I think I get it now, Otto. It was you who shot at me up at the ridge this morning. Then you planted the rifle in the Englishman's room. I realized after I had missed that perhaps it was just as well, Dollar. Sure, sure. You realized I might be able to help you. You couldn't figure out the location of the stones, although you had one of the postcards. But you knew I had the other two and might be able to figure out the three of them. Why not? So you gave me the third card, hoping I'd lead you to the diamonds. Which you very obligingly did. Give me the diamonds, Dollar. I will take them. Stand back, Anton. What? But Otto... Sure. You don't think he's really going to split with you, do you, Anton? What do you mean? Otto... Stay where you are, Anton. You have served your purpose. After all I have done for you. What? You stand back! Anton started for Otto, who took his eyes off for a second. That's what I was waiting for. I dove at him just as his gun went off. Anton crumpled, and after a fist in his face, Otto did likewise. I knelt down and picked up his gun. All right, Otto. Just hold it where you are. But my shoulder, I'm hurt. Don't worry, Anton. There's enough of you left to talk to the police. And you know, I got a hunch you're going to be a real cooperative witness. Expense account, 14th and final item. $678.50. Transportation and incidentals home. Total expenses, $1,723 even. Remarks? Otto and Anton were turned over to police inspector Honiger. The diamonds are in safekeeping. About Otto. Well, greed is one of the seven deadly sins. It sure turned out to be the deadliest one for Otto. About Elsa? Well, uh, please consider me available for any future assignments in Switzerland. End of report. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Now, here's our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week, there's uranium, they say, in the Arizona hills. There's also a killer with three victims behind him, and he's looking for another. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by Robert Reif, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in our cast were Lucille Meredith, Victor Perrin, Forrest Lewis, Stan Jones, and Ben Wright. Musical supervision by Amerigo Marino. Be sure to join us on Monday night, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Roy Rowan speaking.
Welcome back. Well, this tends to be, uh, I would class it as one of those plans that's kind of brilliantly uh, not well thought out. But it's uh, believable and fun for the show with uh, Johnny uh, being able to put, once he has all three, to find the uh, solution and triangulate things. All right, well, now it's time for an episode of Manhunt and the clue of the movie murder. Manhunt. The clue of the movie murder that led to Manhunt. No crime has been committed yet. No murder has been done yet. No manhunt has begun yet. And now the magic of worldwide newsreel brings you an international roundup of famous personalities. We take you first to London, England. No, please, would you remove your hat? I can't. It is trying, James. And in those which may readily be expected to follow, it is advantageous now, uh, as well as important to the future, that we understand England's aim and the preparation we are making for... The man next to me is dead! Manhunt and the Clue of the Movie Murder. A whole week without a good murder. If you keep ignoring the fact that I'm alive, there'll be a murder. But you won't be around to solve it. That, my pet. One more word from you and I'll rub a chemical from my laboratory on you and you'll disappear. Oh. Well, it still is. It's the homicide department says you went to a movie. That's fine. Detective Sergeant goes to picture shows uh, working on it. Hey, Drew. Speak of the devil and he horns in. Hello, Bill. What's on your alleged mind? Alleged mind, he says. Plenty's on it. A murder, huh? But a butte this time. A guy named Arthur Anderson feels over. Poisoned, the doc says. What does he leave us? A dead body. And no clues. No suspects either? No suspects, he says. Two thousand suspects. Everybody was in the audience at the movie theater. We thought you went there to see a picture. And I wish that somebody would draw me a picture, showing how this thing could have happened. You see, the guy was poisoned by something he ate about five hours before he died, the doctor. Only, only what? Well, come into my office and get the answers to that yourself. Okay. I'll be across the hall if anybody wants me, Pat. Yeah, I'll Come on, Bill. See you later, Pat. Okay. You see, Drew, I got a guy named John Murdoch in my office. Mm-hmm. He worked for this Anderson who got killed. Uh... Secretary or something. Right. You ought to know all about him, then. Know all about him, in fact. He doesn't know anything. And what he does know only makes things more mixed up. Come in and find out for yourself. Okay, Bill. Oh, so you're finally back. Oh, don't get up. My name's Stephen. Police officer. Mine's Murdoch. You want to know who killed Mr. Anderson, I suppose? Well, if it wouldn't put you to too much trouble to tell us. Well, how can I tell you? I don't know. I told everything I do know to this man here. Look, Joe. Here's the story. The doc says that somebody slipped Anderson's poison about five hours before he died. That makes it about, well, about three in the afternoon that he got it. See. Well, Mr. Murdoch, what did Mr. Anderson eat or drink at about three o'clock? I've already told this to the sergeant, but I'll tell you too. 
I was with Mr. Anderson every second of the time from noon until he was found dead. And he didn't eat a thing or even take a drink of water all that time. You see through the things. Impossible. Doc says the guy gets poisoned at three o'clock. This guy says Anderson didn't eat anything. Either the doc is crazy or... Or Murdoch here is covering up. What are you trying to hide, Murdoch? Take it easy, Bill. Now look, Murdoch. Junior boss went from noon until eight o'clock without eating. Don't you believe in eating dinner? You look. We worked until 7.30 in the office. And we went to a newsreel theater for an hour to relax. We were going to eat when we came out. Who was going to see Mr. Anderson in his office today? Nobody. Not a soul. And this is getting awful tiresome. Everybody asked the same question. I tell you, Mr. Anderson didn't eat or drink anything or see anybody but me all afternoon. And that's all I know. That's all he knows, he says. Might as well add this to what you know. If nobody else could have been near Anderson to poison him, then you did it. You're out of your mind. Well, Mr. Murdoch. Did Mr. Anderson have any enemies? Only his partner, me, Thomas. He fought like mad all the time. And incidentally, if you're one of those storybook detectives, you might be interested in the fact that they had a joint insurance policy to protect the company. Oh, and that means that if one of the partners dies, the other collects. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Where can we find this, Mr. Lee Thomas? He operates our branch office, a couple of hundred miles from here. But you can skip any ideas you're getting. He didn't leave that office all day today. I had to check with him every half hour on a deal, and I talked to him long distance ten or twelve times this afternoon. That's right, right, Bill. Telephone records confirmed it. Oh, uh, thanks. And now, Mr. Murdoch, just one thing more. Give me the home address of Mr. Anderson, will you? Why do you want to know where this guy Anderson lives, Bill? Come over closer to me, Bill, and I'll whisper to you. Okay. I'm over, and I'll finish. Why do you want Anderson's home address? Oh, it's too I have a bit idea. Something, only I don't know exactly what. Wait a minute, Pat. How about it up there? Half a minute more, Mr. Stevens. Sitting in an empty movie theater with nothing on the screen. Why do I wind up in situations? You're sitting in the same seat that Anderson is in your bag. Yeah, I'm down too. A curiosity. Tell you something, Pat. We've hit an impossible crime. I'm going to take the angle that's over here. Coming up, Mr. Stevens. Now, here's the shot of the flash. I'll put it over the same spot we did on the same screen. Okay. In these trying days, and in those which may readily be expected to follow, it is advantageous now, as well as important to the future, that we understand England's aim and the preparations we are making for. That's it, Mr. Stevens. Just wait around before. Okay, thanks. Well, Pat, as far as I'm concerned, it's still the perfect crime. I didn't teach you a fact. What now? Let me figure this out. But I was telling the truth about nobody being near Anderson. I'll underwrite that myself. And also about his not eating or drinking anything. So if Murdoch didn't poison Anderson, who could have? Nobody. Only I'll take all bets Murdoch didn't do it. Well, the thing's impossible. All right, so it's impossible. We're going to work, you and I, Pat. We're going to hop out to Anderson's apartment tomorrow morning and spend the day there. That'll get some kind of a lead. I don't guess you do. First you say that somebody has finally committed a murder that's foolproof. And now you say we've got to get some kind of a lead. Oh, foolproof. Believe me, Pat. Well, the thing for me to do is prove that I'm no fool. Papers, papers. I've seen nothing but correspondence for hours. 
That guy, Anderson, never threw anything away. Well, he could have thrown everything away, as far as I'm concerned, Pat. Not a thing of any value except his quarrels with his partner, and he knew that. Well, Shelby, as the saying goes, Graham. Yes, I guess so. As the saying goes, so go we. Wait. Wait until I see Anderson's cat, too. He's probably starving. Mm, little Miss Humanity. Yeah. That sounds like me, doesn't it? But I'm always kind to dumb animals. You should know. Oh. Well, the cat was out in the foyer when last heard from. Oh, okay, fine. All right. Now we can get out of here, I guess. Nothing here for us. My name's Stephen. Please. Please? If it's about my partner's death, I've told the police all I know. I can prove I was in my office all yesterday afternoon. Yes, I'm pretty sure you were, Mr. Thomas. Oh, that's right, isn't it, Mr. Lee Thomas? Is this the letter you just inquired about, Mr. Thomas? I don't know. Give it to me. Oh, that's your writing on the envelope. Well, now, it'll be pretty easy to check. Yes, it is. I wanted to sell my partner some of my personal office equipment. I wrote him a note and enclosed a self-addressed envelope. That's it. Give it to me. Hold on, Mr. Thomas. If this letter had reached you, you would have committed the perfect crime. But unfortunately for you, there was some postage due on it. Because of a little thing like that, you stamped yourself for murderer. Good evening, Pat. Only an accident prevented Lee Thomas from actually getting away with murder. Well, now that he's confessed, tell what happened. All of it. Okay. Lee Thomas wrote Anderson a letter offering him a terrific bargain in a debt clock and calendar. Mm-hmm. He enclosed a self-addressed envelope, knowing Anderson would use it when accepting the offer. Oh, the one we found in Anderson's apartment. Yes, but take it easy. You're ahead of me, Pat. Now, the flap on that returned envelope was full of poison. And when Anderson licked it, it was certain for him. Mm, I begin to see how this could have been the perfect crime. Mm, you said it did. If that envelope had been returned to Thomas, he would have had in his possession all evidence of murder. And we couldn't prove a thing no matter what we suspected. But, as we know, the envelope was returned to the Anderson apartment because 
the murderer didn't realize that ten single bills weighed more than one ten dollar bill. And we, of course, found it at the Anderson apartment. Not really, we didn't. Of course, that did. You see, whatever poison Lee Thomas used must have diluted the mutiny, and the flap on the envelope wouldn't stay sealed. The pack got out of it, licked it, and died. Gave me the left clue, by the way. Oh, Jesus, you're wonderful. Tracing a murderer with missing stamps and poisoned envelopes and everything. I ought to be scared to do this, but I want to ask you a question. Sure, go ahead. Okay. Surely, you want to play post office with me? Welcome back. Well, good to have a uh, Churchill impersonator on hand. I wonder who uh, did that particular role. And since the big things with these uh, cases are the puzzle, I thought this was actually pretty pretty good, though not uh, impossible to solve. Though I do wonder with the weight of uh, currency, whether 10 ones would change a lot, but probably would. So I'll buy the uh, conclusion unless and until someone uh, who's a listener who happens to work for the Postal Service has other information. All right. Well, we continue on with uh, yours truly, Johnny Dollar, on Monday. Manhunt returns next Friday. And join us tomorrow as we start a new series for the next 18 weeks, Police Headquarters. And uh, we have uh, one listener comment, just someone who stopped in on Podcast Alley and said, Great podcast. Well, thanks so much. I do appreciate your support. And uh, we will see you uh, tomorrow. Uh, In the meantime, follow us on Twitter, Radio Detectives. Give us a call, 208-991-4783. But from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.